Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. I'm beginning a brand new series today. I'm going to be teaching on the Gospel of John. And I've been pastoring full time for 30 long time, 34 years. And I've never taught the Gospel of John. So I am really, really excited about teaching this today. And we're going to begin actually in John chapter 20 in verse 31. It says in verse 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Praise God. So we're going to be talking today. We're going to begin in John chapter 1 about who Jesus is. You know, our vision we have out there on the wall, very first statement is know Jesus. We want to get to people to know Jesus. And John had a very intimate relationship with Jesus. We're not talking just about knowing about Jesus. We're talking about an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. John had a very intimate, personal relationship with Jesus, and this is his testimony of Jesus. So we're going to begin John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. First point that we'd like to make as we're going through the first 18 verses of this gospel is that Jesus is the Word made flesh. He was in the beginning with the Father. Praise God. And it says that without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was in the beginning with the Father, creating all things. Colossians says that he was before all things, and by him all things have their consistency. Jesus was here when everything was created, and nothing was created without him. He is the creator. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the life of God. He says in John chapter 11, verse 25 and verse 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes on me shall never die. Jesus is the life of God. In John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, And the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the creator and Jesus is the life of God. It says in him was life and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the light of the world. The light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not overcome it. When we came in this building today, we did not curse the darkness. We turned on the light. Right? Because light is stronger than darkness. Light overcomes darkness. Truth overcomes lies. Life overcomes death. Love overcomes hatred. Amen? So Jesus was the life. In him was life. His life was the light of men. And that light 
shined in the world and the, and the darkness of this world did not overcome the light of Jesus. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of the light. The true light which lights the way of every man who comes into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came to his own and his own received him not. Jesus came as a whole in his earthly ministry to the Jewish people. And as a whole, the Jewish people rejected him. In fact, there's a number of times when you read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Jesus says, don't go but to anyone except the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But after Jesus is raised from the dead, he says, go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils, they'll speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents, they'll have divine protection. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So when Jesus was in, the, in his earthly ministry, he said, just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you can see that in a number of ways. But after he was crucified and resurrected, he said, go to all the world. He came to his own and his own received him not. Verse 11, verse 12 says, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. What are we going to do with Jesus? Well, first of all, we need to receive him. Don't reject him. Don't reject Jesus. Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God's provision for you. Don't reject him, but receive him. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. Receive Jesus and believe on his name. When you believe on his name, he says in verse 13, which we're born, you're going to be born of God. It's important for you to be born of God. In John chapter 3, Jesus was talking about being born again. And he says, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You, you have a physical man, and you have a spiritual man. You have an outward man, and you have an inward man. And when you were born into this world, your physical man was born alive, but you were born spiritually dead because of Adam's transgression. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 that by one man death entered the world, sin entered the world, and death by sin for all have sinned. Right? Adam brought sin and death on all humanity, but Jesus came so that everyone could receive righteousness, praise God, and receive life so that everyone could be born again. And so he says we need to receive Jesus and believe on his name. And when we do, he says we're going to be born. He says we're, which we're born not of the blood. It wasn't just merely a human birth. You're, no one was born into this world saved except for Jesus, right? And Adam, Adam was born sinless, right? Innocent, but Adam sinned and brought sin and death on everyone. But since Adam, every person has sinned other than Jesus, so it's not by your human parents. You haven't always been a Christian. You haven't always been saved. There, there has to be some point in time where you realize that you needed help, that you needed Jesus, which were born, he says, not of the blood nor of the will of the flesh. It's not by works that we're saved. 
Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by his mercy he saved us and washed us with the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. So you can't merely just be born of this world. You can't merely just keep a set of rules because everyone has broken God's law. He says, not by the will of man. It's not by just having your mind changed. You know, it's just not by having a change of mind. You got to have a, you, you must be born again. You must be changed from the spirit on the inside, from the inside out. Praise God. If you just have a mind change and your spirit doesn't change, you're still lost. So he says, as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Even those who believe on his name, when you believe on Jesus, you're born not of the blood nor the will of the flesh. It's not merely a human birth. It's not by keeping God's law or keeping a set of rules. It's not by adhering to a system of beliefs, but it's being born of God. It's having a relationship with God. He says in verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word made flesh. And when you behold Jesus, right? Look at this. It says, we beheld the glory, the glory of the Father. The glory as, as the only begotten. John is the, one, you, is the only one that uses this term of, in the Gospels. And he uses it three times. He uses it here, and he uses it in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that whoever believes, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish, but should have eternal life. In verse 18, he says, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved, right? And, and when you believe on the name of the only begotten son of God, amen, you shall be saved. And so he says, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word made flesh, and He's full of grace and truth. Notice, grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and crying, saying, This is the one of whom I spoke. He who comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. Jesus is the eternal God. He was with God in the beginning, creating all things. And now He's born on the earth, right? He's born of a virgin, right? He, he's eternally God. He says, Of His fullness, we have all received grace for grace. One translation says, we've all received spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. There's a number of ways that we can look at this. You've received grace for the grace of God on your life. You've received grace and you receive more grace. Everybody say, thank God for more grace. Yeah. If you've been saved very long, you know that you need more grace. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, he says, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. Everything we receive from God really is a result of grace. It's a result of what Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection. He, he goes on and says this, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. The law came by Moses. So, truth minus grace equals law. And the law leads to death. Right? In fact, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 compares the law and grace. And he says the law is a ministry of condemnation. 
the ministry of the law. He says the law is a ministration of death. Do you want to have a death ministry? Keep preaching law, right? Because law won't save people. Truth minus grace equals law that brings death. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56 that the law is the strength of sin. But truth plus grace equals Jesus who brings life. Amen. Everybody say, thank God for the grace of Jesus. And so he goes on and says, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Here he uses that word again, the only begotten son. No man has seen God. No man has fully comprehended, if you study this out in the Greek, and understood who God is. But Jesus, who comes from the heart of the Father, Jesus has revealed him. Jesus came to put a face on God. He's the visible representation of the invisible God. He's the full and final revelation of God. If you want to know who God is, you just need to get to know Jesus. Because Jesus reveals who the Father is. In fact, the Old Testament is a progressive revelation of who God is. And as you study out in Genesis chapter 22, there are seven redemptive names of God in the Old Testament. And we find the first one in Genesis 22 when Abraham went to put his son Isaac on the altar. And when he did it, the angel of the Lord got his hand and he looked over to the north, I believe it was, of Calvary and he's, or of Mount Moriah. And he saw Calvary, the Temple Mount. And he saw a lamb caught in a thicket by his horn and went and got that lamb and placed him there in the place of his son. And he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. The Lord is my provider. That, that's the first redemptive name of God in the Old Testament. Now when you see that name Jehovah Jireh that's not just talking about physical and financial provision. That's talking about forgiveness for your sins because it's a type of Christ. And when Jesus died on the cross, did you know what? He provided forgiveness for your sins. It's not only talking about physical and financial provision, which it is, but it's also talking about healing for your body. Because before Jesus went to the cross, he took stripes on his back. And Isaiah wrote, by his stripes we are healed. In Isaiah 53 verse 5, talking about the man of sorrows. Prophesying of Jesus' death on the cross some six to 700 years before his coming. Peter looked back on the cross in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, and he said, Who his own self bear our sin in his, own, in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus provided healing on the cross. Isn't that good news? Praise God. It's, but it's all in. It's all in this provision of God. Jesus provided everything at the cross. He provided peace for your mind, healing for your body, forgiveness for your sins. He also provided finances. He who was rich became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. So the first redemptive name of God really includes them all in Genesis 22 when he says, His name is Jehovah Jireh. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. He is our provider. But then in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt and they, they were at a place of Marah, it was bitter water. Moses cried to the Lord and said, God, what do I do? And God showed him a tree and he cast the tree in the waters and the waters were healed. And God made a covenant with them. And God 
said, you know what, if you will observe my commandments and observe the, the, my words and do what I say, you, you'll, you'll receive healing. None of the evil diseases which I brought on the Egyptians I will bring on you. For I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. Praise God. And Jesus shows up as the Lord, our healer. In fact, there's 14 times it's recorded in the New Testament that they brought all the sick to him, to him that were, you know, sick of all kinds of diseases. And he healed them all. And he healed them every one. And he healed them of every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. Thank God Jesus is the Lord, our healer. And God said, I am Jehovah Rapha. Jesus came to put a face on God and reveal who he is. And then just a couple of chapters later in Exodus chapter 17, that the children of Israel were fighting a battle. And, and Moses, God showed Moses, put Joshua out there and fight the battle. And you go up on the hill and hold up the rod of God in your hands. And Aaron and Hur went with him. And when he held up the rod, Israel prevailed. Right? And they won a great battle. And they called the name of the place Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my defender. The Lord is my protector. The Lord, hallelujah. How many of you are glad the Lord is your defender? The Lord is your banner. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your deliverer. They call the name of the place Jehovah Nisi. You go just a little bit farther and, and you go into Leviticus. In Le Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 8, God says, I am Jehovah Makedesh. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. How many of you are glad the Lord sanctifies us? And Jesus came to sanctify us with his blood. The Bible talks about that in the book of Hebrews. I'm so glad that Jesus is our sanctification, that he is Jehovah Makedesh. You move over into the book of Judges, and Gideon was having a challenge, you know, and he was out in the back 40, and he threshing some wheat and just trying to take care of his four and no more. The angel of the Lord came to him and said, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. He said, no, you don't, you don't understand who I am. I, I'm from the weakest, poorest family, and I'm just trying to get enough out here that we can exist with all these Midianite enemies. And, and the angel, I'm so glad that God doesn't accept our opinion of ourselves. <laughs> he said, Gideon, you go in this might, and the anointing is on you, and you will deliver Israel like one man. He said, well, you got to give me a sign. And so the Lord said, well, you go make a sacrifice. And he made a sacrifice and fire came out of the rock and consumed the sacrifice. And he called the name of the place Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace and the Lord is my provider. How many of you are glad that Jesus is Jehovah Shalom? He is the Lord our peace and he is the Lord our provider. I'm so glad that the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 that my God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm so glad that my Bible says in Hebrew, in Ephesians chapter 2 that he is our peace who has broken down the middle wall of partition between us and made of two the Jews and the Gentiles one new man that he reconciled us to God by his blood on the cross. Jesus is our peace. And then he says this in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6. He 
He says the name wherewith she shall be called is the Lord our righteousness. It might be he shall be called. But he says this also in Jeremiah 33 verse 16. I think he says the name wherewith she shall be called is the Lord our righteousness. What it's saying is Jesus is Jehovah Sidkenu. Jesus is the Lord our righteousness. And when you come into Jesus and when you believe on Jesus, you as part of the church, you as part of the body of Christ are made the righteousness of God in him. Thank God. Finally, the last of the seven redemptive names of God is found in Ezekiel chapter 48 and verse 35. He says the name, his name shall be called Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you that you might boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. How many of you are glad that Jesus will never leave us? Jesus will never forsake us. And we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. I'm so glad for Jesus. So Jesus is the full and the final revelation of God. And Jesus comes to put a face on God and show us who God is. He is the word made flesh. But then John began to talk about who he was. Did you know not only do you need to know who Jesus is, you need to know who you are. And not only do you need to know who you are, you need to know who you're not. You know, some people are trying to be all things, all men. Some people are trying to be everything. But there are some things that we are not. There are some problems that we can't solve. There is a God, and I'm not him. And I'm not going to try to be him. Reading John chapter 1, verse 19 through verse 28. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him and said, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. Then they said, who are you? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What do you say of yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, saith the prophet Isaiah. And they were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said, why do you baptize if you're not the Christ? Nor Elijah, neither that prophet. And John answered them and saying, I baptize you with water, but there, there stands one among you who you know not. He is coming after me and he is preferred before me, whose shoelace I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Betharba beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. John knew who he was, but he knew also who he was not. Praise God. You need to know who you are and you know, need to know who you're not. You know, Jesus' testimony of John was that there was not born a greater person among women except John up until that day. What a great testimony. But you need to know who you are and you need to know who you're not. You need to know who God is. Amen. You need to know some things I can't solve, some things I can't do, but there is a God. Amen. And he can do all things. The next day, John saw Jesus in verse 29. This is John's testimony of Jesus. He saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, for years and years, the Jewish people had been making sacrifices. Daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices, monthly sacrifices, annual sacrifices. In fact, if you study it out, it was a pretty expensive religion. It cost them about 30%. <laughs> They'd been making all these sacrifices. But John came and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Look and see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Jesus came to take away our sin, not just to cover it up for a little bit, not till tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, but Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. This is him of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for it was before me. Jesus was in the beginning with God, creating all things. He is the eternal God. And I knew him not, but that he made me, that he should be manifest to Israel. Therefore, I'm come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode on him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. And he is not only the one who is filled with the Spirit, but he is the one who fills with the Spirit. I'm so glad. Did you know if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost as a believer. John talks about that. He says in John 14, verse 17, the world can't receive him. But he's with you now and he shall be in you. But I didn't leave you as orphans. I didn't leave you on your own. Praise God, he's going to come to you. Praise God, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John began to point people to Jesus, which is really what we're supposed to do. We need to point people to Jesus. We need to keep telling people about Jesus. We need to get people to see Jesus and get their eyes on Jesus. John stood in two of his disciples and looking on Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, stop and see, observe the Lamb of God. And two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. John's disciples began to follow Jesus. They asked John, what are you going to do about this, John? Your disciples are in, decreasing, and his, his disciples are increasing. He said, I must decrease, but he must increase. It's not about me, but it's about him. We all need to learn that lesson. I must decrease, but he must increase. It's really not about us, but it's about him. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus turned and saw them following in verse 38 and said, What do you seek? They said, Teacher, Master, where do you dwell? And he said, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt. And they abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first went and found his own brother, Simon. He said unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus beheld him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You will be called Cephas, which is by interpretation stone. You know, the first time that I ever heard Dr. Lester Sumrall speak, in person, I'd heard him a number of times. I used to watch him when I was a child on the PTL network. My granddad had one of those old satellite dishes. And Lester Sumrall was on at 3.30 or 4. I couldn't watch him very much in the summer. 
But in the, in the winter, we'd feed the horses, and, you know, I'd either feed the horses early and then watch them, or I'd feed the horses, you know, watch them and then feed the horses in the winter when we had a few, few times. My granddad used to tell me, he said, why do you like that old frog? He just speaks, and he just so, I said, listen to what he's saying, Grandpa. Listen to what he's saying. Hallelujah. But I love Lester Sumrall. But the first time that I went to see him, just before I went to, to Bible school there, I flew out in the spring. It was, must have been April or May. I think it probably was April. And Barbara stayed home, and Aaron was just a little baby. But I flew out, and Dr. Shirley picked me up at the airport and drove me in the, in the you know, van that they had for the Bible school to, over to the Bible school. And I went in on Sunday morning. When I, when I went, and Dr. Sumrall was teaching just some of his leaders, you know, just some of his key leaders. It wasn't a big group of people. Just, you know, there might have been 20 or 30 people in the room. But Dr. Sumrall was talking about this. He's talking about Andrew and Peter. And he talked about Andrew and how Andrew only, he only won one person that is recorded in the scripture to Jesus. But he won Peter. And Peter, on the very first day the church was born, on the day of Pentecost, won 3,000. And then he won thousands more. You never know how your life, just affecting one person. You know what we need to do? We all need to go where God wants us to go. We need to be who God wants us to be. We need to say who God, what God wants us to say. And we need to do what God wants us to do. You know, I started in the ministry 34 years ago in 1988, just after I graduated from Bible school, and I went to Kit Carson, Colorado. I was the salutatorian of my graduating class at Bible school. They chose me to preach to Dr. Lester Sumrall's church. It was such an honor. I got to preach on Thursday night, you know, just before I graduated, and some of my you know, friends, and they said, why, Pastor Lawson, are you going to a town of 300? You should be going to a church of 300 or 400 to pastor. I said, no, I'm going to this town. I'm going to Kit Carson because Jesus told me to go there. You know what we need to do? We need to go where Jesus wants us to go. We need to do what Jesus wants us to do. We need to say what Jesus wants us to say. We need to be what Jesus wants us to be. And you know, I went to Kit Carson, Colorado, and I was there. It, it's kind of like a village. It's 120 miles east of here. Praise God, I got some of my good friends, Jeff and Karen Wolf. Jeff and Karen, stand up. They're my good friends. They, they helped us start the church in Kit Carson. We pastored there for 13 years. But you know what? There's some great young men and young women have come out of that church. Carrie Pickett, who now is the director of Karis Bible School. Did you know what? Carrie Pickett came out of our church in Kit Carson, and I, I brought her up to Bible school and introduced her to Andrew Womack. Greg Trout, who, who's here in church today, praise God. Greg, amen, came there, and Greg, you know, came up here and went to work for, less, for Andrew Womack for years and years, and, you know, worked there over 20 years. Greg was a tremendous servant, praise God, in the ministry. You know, we, we got so many people. Josh, Larry and Carla stand up. Larry and Carla, they came to my church a year after I was there. They came a few months, and Jesus healed them, but they were still where they were for a while. But then they came a year and stayed there, and then they moved up here. And now Larry's my assistant pastor here, and he's, he's the pastor of pastoral care and over our volunteers at the church. But Larry's a great servant to the body, and we appreciate Larry and Carla. But you know what? God raised up Josh, and Josh married Daisy. You know, it, it's wonderful how you affect one person. You never know how that one person is going to affect someone else. 
That message ministered to me so much, I named my second son that was born just after we, he was conceived in South Bend, Indiana, where we were going to Bible school, but born in Kit Carson. I named him Andrew, praise God. And then my third son, I named him Peter, praise God. And Andrew means the strength of God. And Peter means, to me, Peter means a Pentecostal preacher. Hallelujah. We now, now, God gave us Aaron's name, my oldest, and he gave us Aaron's name when he was in the womb. He said his name will be Aaron. And Aaron means exalted teacher. But I look at Aaron as a spokesman for God. Aaron in the Old Testament was a spokesman for God. One of my uncles said, are you going to have all the 12 disciples? <laughs> no, no, we just had two of them really. But uh, he, he probably wasn't brushed up on his Bible that much. But, uh, you know, God is really good. Praise the Lord. But thank God we have purpose for our life. And we can find purpose in the scripture. But Andrew won Peter. And then Peter won the thousands. There's a story of a man years ago, and he held tent revivals, and he was preaching in North Carolina. And it was a terrible stormy night. I believe it was in the spring. And there was a huge rainstorm, and only about 40 people could show up at his tent. And only one person that night got saved, and he thought the meeting was a total failure. But the one person was Billy Graham. You never know how the one person that you affect, when you think you're a failure... The one person you affect is going to go and affect thousands and thousands of people. So you know what we all need to do? We need to do what God calls us to do. We need to be who God wants us to be. We need to go where God wants us to go. We need to say what God wants us to say. And you know, while we're doing it, we need to be 100% there. Praise God. But in all of that, we need to point people to Jesus. John was pointing people to Jesus. He was directing people to Jesus. As we read in... Verse 43, the day following, Jesus would go into Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said, follow me. And Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So Jesus went and saw where Peter, you know, Peter and Andrew, they saw where Jesus lived now. Jesus was at their house, checking out where they lived. And Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, we found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can there be anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, Nathanael's one of these, you got to show me to tell me. I don't know about those Nazarenes. And Philip said unto him, you know, I had a good Nazarene friend that came to Kit Carson. His name was Don Thatcher. You know, the Nazarenes, everybody's got to get saved again. And Don has a kind of attitude like me, and we'd work together, and we'd do, do things together. And he, he'd say, preacher, you need to get saved. And I'd say, Don, you need to get saved. Hallelujah. How many of you know you need to get saved? Praise God. If you're not sure, get saved again. Praise God. Just get it till you get it. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Well, well Nathaniel, he, he, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and he said, Behold an Israelite in whom is no deceit. No deceit. We had a young man grew up in our church in Kit Carson. His name was Nathaniel. He was a little bit honorary as a teenager. His, his, his daughter's over here today. I, I love her. And uh, I went and saw her before the service. She's going to get married here in a little bit. Praise God, we're excited for. But uh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel was a little bit ornery, and his mother said, what am I going to do with Nathaniel, Patty? And I said, I said, Patty, just love him. She said, well, I asked him, Nathaniel, what have I done to make you this way? And Nathaniel told her, he said, it's nothing you've done, Mama. It's a choice that I made. Now, listen, I think Nathaniel is a great leader in the kingdom of God. He comes to this church. He drives 130 miles to come here to church. Praise God, brings his beautiful, beautiful wife, Holly, and their children. They're, they're a really amazing family, and we really love them. We think the world of them. 
But you know, Patty just kept loving Nathaniel. Praise God. And then when Nathaniel got with Holly, I said, listen, he is done for. I told Barbara, he is done for. That woman has a heart for God and it's all over. Glory to God. And you know what? He is, he loved Jesus. He's serving Jesus. He became a great leader in the church. But I'm telling you, one mistake he didn't make as a young man, he didn't say, Mama, you made me this way, or Daddy made this, me this way, or Grandpa made me this way, or Grandma made me this way, or my boss made me this way, or my school made me this way, or the church made me this way. You know what? You need to quit blaming people. If you want life to get better, do you know what? You need to quit being bitter and blaming everybody for your problems and take personal responsibility for your actions. And you know what? Life Life will get a whole lot better. Nathaniel said unto him, how do you know me? In verse 48. And Jesus said, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. <laughs> Jesus operated in the word of knowledge. He said, I saw you under the fig tree. Right, isn't it amazing how the gifts of the Spirit work to bring people to Jesus? Do you believe? And, and, and Jesus answered him, Nathaniel said, when Jesus said this, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king You're of Israel. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said, because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You're going to see greater things than these. And he said unto him, verily, verily, truly, truly, I tell you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. You see, Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.